0: Hey, this is the podcast of Sue Wesley and Church's sermon from our Sunday worship services. I'm Pastor Brooks, the one who usually teaches here. Whether you're a regular attender or just listening in for a sample of what our church is like, I really hope this benefits your growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It is fun to do ministry in Sault Ste. Marie. I know it's hard for uh, some of us to say goodbye and see people kind of traffic through uh, this place on the map, but I think as a church, if we would embrace the fact that we have three, four years with some people and we're able to see it as we get to send them out in the world. I mean, yeah, we get to cheer. We're like, oh, War Memorial, she'll stay close. You know, like that's, that's cool. Um, but it is, it is wonderful to, to be a part of uh, seeing people go. And make disciples of all the nations and all the states and across the world, it is exciting. So church, let's try to embrace that. It's okay to be sad a little bit because we are annoyed and uh, bothered when some people move on. But uh, if we get to making disciples and get uh, urgent about it and not think like, oh, it'll take five years to grow. Jesus spent three years with his disciples. Three, that's it. And then said, here's the keys take this take this church pretty pretty exciting stuff so 3 years Jesus spent with his disciples it's interesting though as we enter into what's called holy week the four gospels the four books of the bible that record Jesus's time here on earth almost a quarter of the chapters of those books is about the last seven days of Jesus's life and his resurrection. And Saturday, there's not even really anything mentioned that that happens. But so much of, of the time is spent on that. Now, I, I know you you must be tricked at some points to think that I'm some highly educated uh, scholar of the Word of God, and uh, I have been trained to, to read the Scripture a little bit, but here's one thing they didn't need to tell us in school, is if an author spends a lot of time talking about something, it might just be important, right? Like, I mean, that's just, that's just an easy observation to see what's going on in the Scripture, and so I hope you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we've got free Bibles on that black cart near the uh, sound booth. You can always grab one of those, uh, free Bible, or if you've got a device, uh, turn in your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. While you're turning there, I just want to just ask you to pray for your leaders this week here in the church as Easter comes Um we want to, I'll speak for myself, I want to do my best. Like, many of you will be inviting somebody to church on Easter, and I don't want to preach, like, the worst sermon all year. Although some years it feels like I do. And so be praying, not just for me, but for the other leaders here, as I think Satan would love to attack us this week, as as we want to do our best to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So that's something I want to ask you uh, to pray for this week. So um, Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt, a donkey there which no one has ever written. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and, uh, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming of our father David! Hosanna in the highest heaven! Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. So this is the start in all of the gospels when you know it's Holy Week as we've called it today is called in the liturgy a uh, palm Sunday, Palm Sunday, because Mark doesn't describe it quite that way. These leaves, they brought in from the fields to lay out, but other, other gospel accounts, all four of them have this story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I'll, I'll be bouncing, you know, information from each of those at you this morning, because they're describing the same event. These palms were laid on the road, and so this is the start, the commencement of Jesus' last week on earth. And so all of the gospel writers tell this story, and three out of four spend what I think is a very interesting amount of time on what seems like an inconsequential detail. So they're nearing Jerusalem. Think of this as sort of the capital. Although they were conquered by Rome, Israelites would have seen Jerusalem as the center of their religion, as the center of their worship, and their historic capital. And they're out in Bethany and Bethphage, which is maybe maybe two miles. This is just the suburbs. This is just really close to Jerusalem. I, I don't know if it helps some of you imagine this, but as Jesus rode in on the donkey, I wanted to provide you a picture with, with what this might have looked like as Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem. <laughs> right? I mean... that. There's no reason it couldn't have been a donkey that sounded like Eddie Murphy, right? Like, so Jesus comes in, and, and with the one skill of, of reading literature that I already mentioned, you look at this passage of Scripture, and Jesus spends an inordinate amount of time, including for us in the Scripture, the gospel writers choose to spend a ridiculous amount of time. In this passage I read, there's 228 words in English. 143 are on donkey acquisition, it's almost like we could have named it Donkey Sunday. I mean, that's, that's the importance that they, that they spend on Jesus' mode of transportation. So I think it begs, and maybe I'm not just trying to be cute, because I've preached on many Palm Sundays before, and you could say, well, he's getting bored. Now he's going into the donkey stuff of it. But I think it, asks, it makes us ask the question, why would Jesus even need this donkey? And why would he send two disciples to get it in such kind of an unusual way? I mean, can't Jesus walk? It's only like one or two miles, right? Like, he can walk on water. Can't he walk into a city? And, and I mean, Jesus like seems to tell them, don't ask permission to take this donkey, just take it. I mean, that's not very WWJD, Jesus, right? Like, you should be asking people, get a bracelet, Jesus, wake up. But this important animal, a a donkey, what what is that all about? Well, first, what does he do? And this is maybe the more traditional understanding, and this is not far off. This is not wrong. What he does, as is recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is he enters Jerusalem on this donkey. Now, it's interesting to think that he entered this world near a manger, and as he commences to leave, he rides on this animal in this sort of victory parade it would turn into, into Jerusalem. And what's interesting is all these crowds are gathered John's gospel gives us some clue on why there might be so many crowds. Because Jesus, his whole ministry as he heals people, often said, shh right? Like, this is, Jesus doesn't try to go viral. Like, he doesn't say, like, at the end of his healing, hey, if you liked that, subscribe to my videos, right? Like, he's not playing for views. He's not trying to get, that's not how he's going to change the world, is with popularity. But in John's gospel, there's a clue given to us that the crowds were there because Jesus had just raised a man from the dead named Lazarus. And so everybody is thrilled. This is one that you cannot hide when somebody rises from the dead. It changes the crowd that will go viral. And so he rides into the town as not just celebrating Lazarus' resurrection, which the Pharisees, interestingly, were like, we should kill him. Like, he's already risen from the dead once, Kind of be weird for Lazarus. Loved, what an interesting guy he would have been to talk to. But they, he enters in fulfillment of prophecy. And we miss it a little bit because in the, in the Middle Eastern world, leaders would ride their horses if they were riding to war. But because he's riding a donkey, he's coming in peace on this parade. The Jews wouldn't have missed it. Solomon, David, King David's son, when he rode into the town in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 33, he was riding on a donkey the day he was recognized as king of Israel. So Jesus could have walked, but he is fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah that said, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a beast of burden. Becomes gentle. It's interesting that Luke points out that when Jesus is at the middle of the parade, as he's approaching Jerusalem, it says he wasn't doing his, like, you know, little princess wave. It says he's in tears. Because he looks at the city and he says, If you really knew what would bring you peace, if you could really get excited about what you should be excited about, Things would be so different. But he wept because they were shouting to him this word, weird word, Hosanna, which means save. There, there's, this is the conqueror. This is the one who through war, through chaos is going to overthrow the Roman government that has made this not uh, uh, the actual capital, but just like a symbolic capital. And so they are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying, Jesus, we're so excited you're here to save us from our suffering and our political problems. Totally unrelatable to how people want to view Jesus today. We want him to save us from the stuff that we see going on around us politically. Save us from the outward suffering, from the the taxation. God, we want this, this king to fulfill our purposes, not for us to fulfill his. Some rabbis would say that in the temple on this day was read from Psalm 24, "'Lift up your heads, O you gates,' Of glory. So this is what happens with the donkey, the fulfillment of Scripture, the reaction of the crowd. And it gets loud, and the Pharisees go, hey, it's getting loud out there, because religious people don't like it loud, right? And Jesus says, well, if they don't shout, the rocks will cry out. So there's a passage of Scripture for you, Parker, here, that Palm Sunday should be louder, Right? louder some of you would love that if we just got a little bit louder but Jesus this is him in the forefront but people don't get him the same crowd that yells Hosanna on Sunday will yell crucify Thursday night and Friday so Jesus didn't entrust himself to this crowd he didn't it wasn't about wow I've gained the popularity and Mark records, as we've read in Mark, that the only words we get from Jesus, from, from Mark, there's others, I've told you, you know, he wept over Jerusalem. He told them the rocks would have to cry out if they didn't say something. But Mark, the only thing he says, that Jesus says on this day, is not, how did you feel about this crowd surrounding you? What we hear from Jesus is, here's how to get a donkey. It's a strange detail. It really is, but we can't run past it. How Jesus gets the donkey is apparently very important, but I imagine, so there's two disciples Jesus sends. And I imagine they go, here we are. We don't even know their names. It's not recorded for us. They go, here we are. We're on another gopher mission. Go for this, go for that. Remember when he sent us for bread and fish that one time? Remember when he wanted a coin with Caesar's face on it? Remember that wedding when there they got a go for stuff? If you think about it in terms of what they had seen when God had done something, when they went for something, maybe they were eager to be assigned something by Jesus. Maybe just maybe they thought, you know, the last time he had us do something, he told us to move a stone and a dead guy walked out. If he's telling us to go get a donkey, maybe it's not even alive. I mean, there is, when when you have seen God do things, it often spurs you to, okay, I'm going to be obedient to him. Let me say this, mundane service precedes triumphant times. A lot of us want to see the big stuff, like we want to see the big parade. We want to see Jesus lifted up, but we don't want to just go do a chore for him. And if Jesus tells us to do something weird, we go, hmm, I'm not sure I want to do that. Faithful disciples... Take care of details. Did you know there are mundane things you can do that will bring Jesus to people? Not everybody not everybody serves in some upfront way. And, and many of us bemoan, my gifting is just not that upfront. These two disciples make possible Jesus' fulfilling prophecy that was spoken centuries before. And so Jesus says, hey, here, here's where the donkey is. He, I don't know, but Jesus might have said, you know, he has three legs, one eye. He likes to listen to country music. He's quite tall and slim, and he smells really bad. Maybe this morning he got up and didn't have his coffee, and he was always getting up to mischief, but he was good-looking. And so Jesus said, I want you to find that donkey. He's a spunky, hanky-panky, honky tonky winky wonky donkey.' If you haven't seen that Scottish lady reading that story Read it, watch it, the wonky donkey. So he says, Jesus, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, Hey, um, can you go carjack a donkey? I mean, this is like, remember that time in scripture where Jesus says, Go steal a ride for me? This is it. I mean, can you imagine if you were to go to one of the sports places, dealerships in town, and hop on one of their snowmobiles? And you can still do this in April here, and ride off. And when they ask you, "What are you doing?" You say, "The Lord needs it." Do you really think they're going to go? Oh, oh, okay. I mean, this was their mo- this was a mode of transportation back then, and they're walking up, and they're taking a donkey that is not theirs. And Jesus doesn't. It's weird because it's like if he would have worked this out in advance, you would have thought he would have said, "Hey." Ask them, is this the one, is this the donkey for Jesus that he has, he has made this arrangement for? I mean, a lot of commentators on the scripture, people who are trying to help us understand it, they go either one way or another on this. They say either Jesus had already made plans, right? You know, he had, he had made plans with somebody. And they do this with a lot of miracles of Jesus, some commentaries. They, everything's got to be explained in sort of a natural way. Or there's some that would take everything and say, you know what? Jesus did a miracle here that defies natural explanation. That Jesus did a Jedi mind trick from a mile away. These are not the droids you're looking for. This this is not your donkey, right? Which is it? I think both interpretations are possible, so I would welcome you to the one you prefer, but here's the application. God does not need me to understand fully in order for me to obey completely. We're his disciples, right? And if he asks us to do something, do we need to fully understand it? Matthew says it this way, and may this be true of us, in verse 6 of Matthew 21. This is simple. The disciples went... And did as Jesus had instructed them. What if we would actually read the scripture and think about, like, rather than explaining away what it says, what if we approached it with a mindset of we're gonna do what it says? I mean, what a novel idea, right? I'm not talking about reading in in a literal sense, but in an actual sense, what is the meaning of the text, the plain meaning of the text? I'm going to do it. I think many of us are running around like short little Mario, and God wants to give us a super power up mushroom so we get twice our size, but it only is going to come when we obey what he has told us to do. And we can stand on the truth. That he'll come through even if we can't explain what he is doing. Stephen Furtick said, Sometimes in order to be victorious, you have to look ridiculous. But we can trust, you can quote me on this, that Jesus knows what lies ahead on the road. Jesus knows what lies ahead on the road. When I do as Jesus has told me, it will be as Jesus has told me. Many of us need to add these four words to our vocabulary. Jesus told me to. Why are you doing that? Why, why are you being kind? Why, why are you being generous when, when you should be selfish? Jesus told me to. Why, why do you not take all of the credit? That was your idea. No, Jesus told me to. Why do you why do you study so hard rather than cheat like the rest of us? Jesus told me to. Now, some terrible things have been done with those four words Jesus told me to, not the least of which is breaking up with a girl or a guy. Oh, Jesus told me to. Well, <laughs> don't just use it like that. And we could spend a lot of time, because a lot of... A, atrocities have been done with those four words, not just breaking up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Jesus told me to. That's that's, that's teaching for a different day. But many of us need to add that to our vocabulary. Like these two disciples. As Jesus wants to borrow, notice that in Holy Week, Jesus borrowed three things. He borrowed a donkey, he borrowed an upper room, and he borrowed Joseph's tomb. Jesus' name has power to unlock doors. And the challenge we're going to share in communion this morning, and I want to provide you some time for reflection, for examination of your heart, because the scripture says before a man or a woman eats or drinks, they should examine themselves. And the challenge is to consider this question, what is Jesus asking me to do? Are you obeying God in a difficult situation? He's saying, go untie that colt. You go, "What? what do I say to somebody who's asking me why I'm doing this? Why am I giving away money in this difficult economy? Why am I being kind to my ex? Why am I hiring somebody with a record? We say, you know, Jesus told me to. And maybe some of you are unclear on that this morning. But I really believe God has something for you this morning. Maybe it's big, maybe it's small, maybe it's something you do alone, or it's maybe something you do with another disciple alongside of you. And so, the time before we share in the Lord's Supper together, the challenge is to pray about God, what do you want me to do? So let's pray together. Hosanna, Hosanna, save God, save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord God, our our loving friend, our guide, you deserve the worship. You deserve our love and our devotion. Because you have entered into our broken world, you have joined us and you know this journey we're on, where there is pain, where there is pleasure, where there is sorrow, where there is joy. And thank you that you have extended us access to the eternal to the abundant so let's pray and ask God what do you want me to do what do you want me to do speak Lord your servants are listening